0: So let's uh, dive into our study today in James chapter 3, if you're there. Today is Super Bowl Sunday. It's a tradition in our country that in many respects is heated greater than some of our holidays, you know, like President's Day. I think there are more people that get excited about Super Bowl Sunday than, than President's Day and, you know, things of that nature, but it is what it is. This is a big day for our, for our country It's fun to be a fan of a team in the big game, right? And I'm thankful for the opportunity for many of my friends to cheer on their team. The only nice thing about not having your favorite team in the big game is less stress watching the big game. You know, seven times in my lifetime I've had to stress about the game. So this is one of the times that I don't, it's good. So just don't stress too much, enjoy it. My encouragement for you who are fans of the 49ers, none of them today, or the Chiefs, yeah. is to put on your Mahomes mindset, even as you watch the game today, all right? What's the Mahomes mindset? The only professional sport, I'll give you a little backtrack before I go into that, the only professional sport I follow closely is football, and I love it because of the parity. I think it's a, it's a league that really any team can win every year because of the way they do the draft, the way they do the scheduling, they they Pit it towards everybody having an equal opportunity to be the best every year. Um, If you're smart at picking new players um, with a salary cap that has a minimum and a maximum, it's just a great league of parity. But that being said, when special players come along like Patrick Mahomes, you can't help but respect them. Like the best who have played before Patrick, the best quality he possesses, in my opinion, is his poise under pressure. I mean, that guy, he goes down 24 points early in a game, a playoff game. He's not rattled. He's not pointing fingers at teammates and telling them how bad they are. He's saying, guys, I, I, I want you to be on my team and we're okay. We're going to be okay. Let's play our game. Let's go do this. He's got poise under pressure. When his pocket breaks down, when he's on the field and the pocket breaks down, this dude has poise. He has an ability to keep his eyes down the field, to move his feet, to sling the ball, and even to make up new throws. I mean, right-handed dudes don't do left-handed throws, um, but Patrick Mahomes does. They don't at the end of a quarter run it into the end zone without any timeouts um, as the as the clock's ticking down uh, when he has the risk of being tackled in bounds. But Patrick Mahomes does. They might, I think they had a timeout, didn't they? It doesn't matter. Is what matters is this dude's ability under pressure is always poised. Let's not deify any professional athletes on this note. I'm not deifying uh, Patrick Mahomes or any professional athlete. And I think since we're on that token with with the events of this last week, we'd be missed, not to mention that Kobe Bryant, in his own right, was a poised athlete, one of the greatest uh, in in his game, known as a winner and a finisher. Shocking many uh, when someone of such high esteem ends their life uh, in a short way after something devastating like that. But this is what we notice, that life often has pressures your life's pressures are going to be different than Patrick Mahomes they're going to be different than Kobe Bryant's yours are going to be different than mine mine are going to be different from yours but all of us experience different pressures in life that mean far more than a trophy far more than a win or loss on a field or a court they might look like whether or not our marriage is going to last maybe whether or not our bills are going to get paid this month or maybe which bill doesn't get paid This month, whether or not we overcome that addiction or whether or not we get that job or that house or whether or not the pregnancy goes full term this time or whether or not you can help your child overcome or manage their behavior or their disability or their delay or whether or not you can talk about the feelings of ending your life prematurely or how we can get to all of the games and activities that our children are in. And then, how can we fit God into the already hectic pace, who it is to listen to or who it is that we need to ignore, what to believe on social media and even the news. Life is full of pressures, isn't it? And every day we've got these pressures and they add up and we find our poise being tested day in and day out. And we must begin to ask questions about whether or not our spirit is in control. Is our spirit in a controlled way? Do we have a spiritual poise, so to speak? See, when we say yes to Jesus... When we accept his saving act, when we invite his Holy Spirit to dwell in us, to guide our lives, most of us are not yet quickly or completely surrendered. That's the beginning of our relationship with God. It's not like we've got to be perfect and all cleaned up before he accepts us. In Romans 5.8, he says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we're at our worst, he's there loving us at our best. And he doesn't expect that just because we said yes to him and that we want to follow him, that we're going to do everything the per- perfect the first time. We don't have a warped idea of what following Jesus looks like. See, some things we're quick to surrender to God. We're quick to surrender our sin and our baggage to God. Yes, take them fast. I don't like these things in me. These are the things that that we don't like. But when we start talking about our calendar, oh, dang it, right? I mean, every Sunday morning, give that to him? That's tough. Our money? Our money? what? What about our thought lives? Mm. The scriptures say we got we to surrender every thought. When these things come up, sometimes we hesitate or we're slow in the process. Maybe we can trust God with one or two Sundays a month, but to give him every week? And then a Bible study during the week? That's a lot. We can give God $10 on occasion, but to trust him with 10% of everything? that he's entrusted to us, that's a lot. And we, we, we don't get there overnight, do we, on any of these things? We can think about God on occasion, but to surrender our every thought to God, that is a lot. We're reminded in Philippians that we should pray without ceasing or never stop praying, depending on your translation. What does that mean, to be in constant conversation with God? That is a lot. We don't get there overnight. And so it is, our following Jesus is a lifetime of surrender, of getting our spirit in check, learning to live this poised life, this unashamed life with and for him. See, others don't see our thoughts like God does. They don't see our financial statements. They don't know the ins and outs of our calendars. They see hints and whiffs of these things, what we show them and what we tell them. But one thing everyone knows about us is what we say. Have you ever heard the statement, an individual is as good as their word? It's a powerful statement. I believe in that statement. An individual is as good as their word. I learned early as a dad that I had to stop promising my kids things. Because ministry is not a normal nine to five. Because if I said, hey, tonight we're going to do this and somebody dies and I'm going to meet with a family and I don't get to do this. ooh, I don't like eating crow for my kids. So I don't I don't I try not to make promises because I've, I've learned, man, this is a big deal. My word has to matter and I don't want my kids affected uh, by my vocation and this calling in my life. Right. So we weigh and measure these things our word is paramount. Many of us at the start of this series we communicated something uh, that we are going to shred and something that we're going to start. Anybody batting a thousand? I'm not. That's I'm just It's hard, isn't it? We make a statement like that. It doesn't make it easier. That's why you heard me say, tell it to somebody else, because at least that way we've got accountability to say, dang it, I need this help to shred things and to start things in our lives. That's the accountability of sharing it with somebody. This following Jesus thing is a real struggle, as we looked at in the first week of the series. Fighting our flesh and our desires is and always will be a real struggle. Three weeks ago, we studied in James chapter 1, verse 26, this verse. If anyone thinks that he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Big, right? Okay, so we looked at that. James is going to circle the wagon back here in chapter 3 and bring this up again. He's going to unpack this a little more in helping us understand why our tongue's control is an indicator of our spirit's control. Why our tongue's control is an indicator of our spirit's control. So let's look at some reasons why our tongue is an indicator of our spirit's control. Let's look at the first two verses in chapter three. This is what James chapter 3 jumps in with, not many, James writes, not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is mature, able also to control the whole body. The first reason the tongue is an indicator of our spirit's control is our walk will be judged by our talk. Our walk, friends, will be judged by our talk. Let's be honest. Teaching is not for everyone. When people ask me, man, Jeremiah, you make a, a harsh deal on that, and I usually will say, well, that's what the Bible says. <laughs> and why do I go that way? Why do I lean so heavy on the Scriptures? This is why. Because every night I put my head on the pillow, I reflect on James chapter 3, verse 1. I'm not going to be judged the same as you. That may not feel fair. Sometimes I feel like it's unfair, right? But I get it. I so get it. Because there are statements that Jesus made, like anyone who causes somebody to stumble needs to have a millstone tied around their neck and thrown into the sea. Because Jesus wants to make sure that the people that are teaching, the shepherds, are not leading his people astray. And so he reminds every shepherd that's ever going to stand up with words like this, that, look, teaching isn't for everybody. We're going to be judged more strictly. And that's why it's important in our teaching to let the text win. Are we saying the things that God wants us to say? Are we saying the things that we want to say? Maturity, I, I see maturity as a spirit that's in control, right? Somebody that's able to control their whole body has controlled their tongue. And a controlled spirit is indicative of the one who walks their talk. Hypocrisy is regularly a top reason that people discredit the Christian faith. I'm sure you've heard that, right? You tell somebody, I go to church, oh, those Christians. Can't stand those Christians. They go to church on Sunday, but the way they live Monday through Saturday, mm, those Christians. That's when you say, hey... Our church is full of sinners. we got room for one more. Come on, right? Because our our pastor lets us know all the time. He's a chief, chief sinner, right? Um, I mean, we, we get it. We understand where we are in this mix, how needy we are of the gospel. But man, if this is real, if this is how people think, about Christianity, as Christ's followers, it is our duty to be committed to live what we say we believe, to breathe God's word over our thought lives and to begin living it out every day. And that takes process, doesn't it? That takes a time of of learning what God's Word says and means so that we can not only believe it, so that we can begin to obey it and practice it. Let's continue so we can see the next reason why. Our tongue's control is in, in, an indicator of our spirit's control. Verses 3 through 8, we continue reading. And notice these pictures that James gives us. I love how practically he gives us things we get. So, verses 3 through 8. Now, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. And consider ships, though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pirate pilot directs. Hopefully not a pirate. Wow. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among our members. It stains the whole body, sets the, courses of, the course of life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed and has been tamed by humankind. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Where are we getting at? This is what I think James is making clear for us. The second reason our tongue is an indicator of our spirit's control is that it can only be tamed with help from the Holy Spirit. Our tongue can only be tamed with help from the Holy Spirit. Don't you love his practical applications? We've all seen a horse, majestic. They're powerful beings. You ever go and hug a horse? and it, I mean, they can move you just with their head. I mean, they lean into you. They want to know, yeah, are you there? I mean, I could probably have Haley come up and just talk to us about horses for a little bit and, and get some good information. But you can control a big, powerful horse, can't you, Haley? Practice helps, doesn't it? Your first day probably wasn't as good as today uh, in that process, but it is what it is. We can control horses by learning to uh, just what it is to put a bit in their mouth. Anybody been on a big boat? Anybody love the water, big boats? I mean, what, whatever you consider big boat is fine. It could be like Branson, big boat. It can be like cruise ship, big boat. It could be um, speedboat, big boat, right? It doesn't matter. A big boat, pontoon might be big boat. Too. It doesn't matter. We've all been on boats or most of us have been on boats, right? We know what a boat is. And that boat compared to the rudder is pretty big. And we just put a little piece of something in the water and we can, we can move that whole craft with something very small compared to its majestic size. And so James gives us that illustration, and then he throws the tongue in there. It's compared uh, to the body, but it does lead the way to making great boasts, right? You know, the tongue is little in comparison to our whole body, he says, but it it gives great boasts. I mean, our tongue, I mean, what we say, we can say big things, right? I mean, uh, Asher tells us that he is going to be the next ninja warrior. I don't believe him. Uh, I believe he will try, um, but but I, I don't believe him. Um, but I love him, and I love that he dreams like that, right? But man, our mouth makes these boasts. I told people that I was going to play in the NFL. Five foot eight. I graduated high school one forty nine. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make it into the NFL very easily. So I did. I did ministry. I met my calling. Right, But that tongue, it makes great boasts, doesn't it? Big boasts with our tongue, and it's a little part of our body. Sometimes those boasts are for good or for ill. The tongue is also uh, described as a fire and is itself set on fire by hell. What what can we take away from these statements? This is what we can take away from these statements. Uh, Anybody been around fire? Fire never leaves something untouched. That it's that it's been. I mean, you always have the effect of that fire on that thing that it touches. Whether it's singeing something, whether the the they say that that after a fire burns a house, if it's not completely burned, you sometimes can taste the fire in the water that flows through the piping of that house. I mean, fire touches stuff. It doesn't leave it. When we say stuff, it can't be unsaid, can it? And so it, it's like a fire. It's something that, that it leaves a mark, and it's something that, that just doesn't come back. We can't just take it away. We can't just turn those ashes back into a building or a structure. Because it leaves its print on everything it touches, and it's hungry. The, the Proverbs say that it's one of the things that, that's never satisfied, a, a fire. It's, it's always hungry. It's always looking for more. And then he concludes that statement by saying, it is itself set on fire by hell. Wow, James, this is a big statement. What are you saying? Is what he's saying, I think, is something very similar to what he said in in chapter 1. Remember what he said in chapter 1? When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God is not tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he's dragged away and enticed. And then when desire conceives, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. What is he saying? He's saying that everything that is evil... Is coming from within us. And so our tongue is an indicator of our spirit's control. And when we are speaking ill things, when we are speaking things that profane the name of Jesus, it is because of the hell in us, the evil in us, that we are burning our our world around us with what we say. And we've all been there. We are all fall shorters. And so the things that we say, the things that we uh, sometimes do, we've all hurt somebody. With our words, in our worst moments, aren't you glad that we're not going to be judged by our worst moments only? In the same way, we're not going to be judged by our best moments only, right? And so here we, we look at this, we see this. I think that's what James is saying, that look, this is set on fire. Hell is the, is the source of that, but really it's, it's our own evil desires that well up in us like he's already said in chapter 1. And then he paints another picture. He says all species of animals can be tamed by mankind, yet not one human can say they've ever that they've never slipped in their speech. I just did it again. No humans can say that, right? We cannot say that our speech is perfect, that we've never uh, cursed somebody or cursed God or had an evil uh, thought that we let reach our tongue. We can't say it. But here's the powerful truth. What is he getting at? No human can do this. But even though we cannot do it, the maker of the tongue can help us. Because a controlled tongue, how do we know that? We go back to verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's mature, able to control the whole body. We can grow in that, but what does that maturity look like? It looks like surrendering our thought life so that the thoughts that hit our tongue are from the Spirit of God and not from the evil desires within us. And that takes surrender day in and day out. That takes growth. We're not going to be there the first day we say yes to Jesus. But it can only be tamed by help from the Holy Spirit because a controlled tongue is an indication of complete surrender to the Spirit of God helping us walk our talk and talk our walk. And both are important. James chapter 3, verses 9 through 12. Let's wrap this text up. With the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers and sisters, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water. The third reason our tongue is an indicator of a controlled spirit is this. It, it points to the one who controls both our tongue and our spirit, because whoever controls one controls both. That's the important thing. We've got to know that these uh, go together. Whoever controls our tongue controls our spirit and vice versa. The tongue cannot both equally praise God and the enemy. If it does, we are still sided with the enemy because God is not tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Evil cannot be a, a, a part of his nature. And so we grow in our likeness of him as we continue to get rid of the evil within us. Because whoever controls their tongue controls the spirit cursing ruins the praise bitter water ruins sweet water fig trees produce figs not olives grape vines produce grapes not figs these would ruin the original fruits and we friends are a product of what we say think about what you talk about most often or text about more often or post about most often James is merely reminding those who've submitted to the lordship of Jesus that our religion is more than a box to check. It's a lifestyle. It's something that we do. Are we the same person when nobody's watching us as we are when everybody's watching us? That's all James is saying. How in control is our spirit? Are the things that we say to others congruent with the things that we say to God? All the time. It's easy to live out of control. Anybody studied entropy real well? Everybody know what entropy is? Entropy is kind of a neat deal. It's real. It's true. I believe entropy is a truth that's been proven again and again. All things gradually decline to a state of disorder and chaos if left to themselves. That's what entropy is. That is, without an agent that keeps order, bricks need mortar to stay in place, right? Bricks are not going to just stay in place because we stacked them in place. And over time, that mortar is going to begin to erode, and we're going to need to remortar those bricks. We also know those bricks may decay. We, we may need to mortar over those bricks or replace certain bricks out, out of a wall because That's the way that life works, gravity and erosion and and these things are real. But entropy, things that are left to themselves are going to dwindle to disorder, no matter what it is. And so our lives, too, without order, they get out of control. We need the help of God, therefore, to assist us in ordering our lives from our talk to our walk. We don't just need it one time, we need it every single time day. I feel like I'm told weekly by people who don't attend church that I don't need to attend church to have faith in in God. I've learned to follow up with those people with questions like, oh, okay, are you spending time in God's word at least? Would you be surprised that the greatest answer I get to that is, well, no. (laughs) So they're not hearing from God individually. They're not hearing from God corporately. What are they communicating? They're communicating that they are an entropy Christian, that they think that living a life of just following their everyday norms, the evil desires that live in them, they can somehow learn to follow Christ and look like Christ and be obedient to Christ. And friends, we need the accountability of the body. We need the order that the scriptures give to us. We need the Holy Spirit of God keeping us united corporately, but also individually so that our lives do not get out of control. We need our spirits to be in control so that we can be mature and blameless, not lacking anything. Though if we do lack wisdom, we should ask God who gives generously. James chapter 1 still right. So this is the powerful thing that James is reminding us here. So don't mishear me. The church does not save us, but we need regular reminders to let the Spirit of God not only save our souls through the redemptive work of Jesus, but to restore God's likeness in us as we follow him so that the world can see him through us. And that's best done in the growing and the serving community of Jesus Christ, the church, which has always been God's design. Before you go to your Super Bowl party this evening, ask yourselves this question. What areas in my life are out of control because I've not yet surrendered them to Jesus? What areas in my life are out of control because I've not yet surrendered them to Jesus? For all of us, there's something. There's something that we hold on to. Most of us, it's more than one thing. The bottom line that I think James is getting at here today that we can take is, Let Christ control your walk and your talk. The world is looking for mature followers of Jesus, people that they can follow, people that are going to lead them to, to his likeness, to his truth, to his love, to his grace. And when we surrender our everything to him, letting Christ control our walk and our talk, we will be trending towards maturity. It could be that you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus for that redemptive work. You've never said, Jesus, I want you to be savior of my life. I recognize my life's out of control. And as the band comes to play a closing song for us, I I just want to invite you to come meet me down here. You can even disguise it as you're coming early for the picture later, right? And I'll I'll have a discussion with you and pray with you. This is big. This is big. We, we want you here at the Refuge Christian Church to have a right relationship with Jesus. And uh, that supersedes the right relationship with the church. Um, because we believe that with it you will be the church if you're right with him. But let's surrender and let's give him the glory. Will you stand with me and I'll pray. And we'll close our service in song and then meet you up here knowing that we will give a couple minutes to go get our kiddos. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you that though our tongues can't be tamed without you, that you're willing to walk with us in that endeavor. Thank you for being patient with us as we slowly surrender our lives to you, seeing your goodness, your faithfulness, your favor, rest upon us as we become faithful to look like you, to serve like you, to love like you, to sacrifice like you. God, we as your bride, your church, we, we ask for revival. We ask for opportunities to share the good news of what you've done with everybody. And so help us not ever become a church that would make people... Uncomfortable from hearing your gospel yet at the same time never let us be a church that doesn't value the gospel over culture and human traditions so that you can win in our lives and God thank you for a church that encourages its pastor that prays for its pastor knowing that I'm going to be judged stricter than they are and any other teacher or small group leaders we pray for them and lift them up God knowing that we will have a stricter judgment And we give you glory in advance for the hope of heaven and eternity and what we'll get when we get to be with you forever and what you're going to continue to do through us because we surrender control of our walk and our talk to you. In Jesus we pray, amen.